underway here on ESPN Plus and live and underway from the Qatari capital of Doha. Where it's actually not that hot, Hercules Gomez. Is that why you're wearing that? You're wearing a jacket? Yeah, it's a light jacket. It's not a winter coat. Uh, beautiful setup, beautiful setup. studio. Thank you, ESPN. We're here. We We're made here. it. We made it. We made it. You made it back to a World Cup for what, the third time? Second as a pundit? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, very excited. Lots to wow. get to today. It's true. In this show. Uh, have you enjoyed the Qatari capital so far? Been here about, what, 48 hours maybe? Uh, 36 if 36, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you can tell, it, everything is brand spanking yes. new. It's not, it's not full yet, we should say. It feels very, no. like, calm before the stormy. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, but surely people will be getting here. Hopefully many of them are people who are watching this show, fans of the United States uh, and Mexico. We hope to see you here in Qatar in the coming days uh, and weeks. All right, so coming up in this show, we're going to talk to Sam Borden. He's been with the U.S. team, uh, not just uh, uh, here in Qatar, but also throughout the World Cup qualifying process. So we'll talk to him uh, elsewhere in CONCACAF. We got a, a big win for Canada. We got Costa Rica that didn't play a game. We'll see if to get that. Uh, and some other news from around uh, Major League Soccer. And also Liga Mekis, huh? your former team, has a new coach. Uh, oh, let's get really? to the highlights then from Mexico's last game before the World Cup. Mexico against Sweden. The last chance for players to impress Tata Martino. Uh, and of course, it's going down in Girona, Spain. Teams lining up. Tata Martino is always under pressure. 18 minutes in, Mexico with a chance. Luis Chavez across. Herc, he was good throughout. He's a good little player, man. Technical ability, great strike from distance. He's got that in his bag. Two minutes later, Sweden almost score. Anthony Alanga to Matias Svanberg, who doesn't miss by much. Yeah, these defensive miscues continue for Mexico. Mexico trying to get an opener before the halftime whistle. Uriel Antuna close. He's just always so active, you know, off the post, off that crossbar right there. He's always one of the most active players that Mexico has. Some big changes at the half. Andres Guardado coming on. He's now El Tri's all-time caps leader with 178, uh, overtaking... Claudio Suarez, El Emperador. Raul Jimenez also on at the half, 54th minute. Sweden go ahead through Marcus Rodden. Yeah, now what you want to see if you're a Mexico fan, another defensive cue. They give the ball away in a bad area, right back down their throats, and Sweden goal. All right, six minutes later, though, Mexico respond. Achiacha the pass, Alexis Vega. Yes, Alexis Vega to make it 1-1. That is a sexy pass from Hector Herrera. And a good little finish, too. Absolutely. Not something we've seen a whole lot of from this Mexican team, but a good finish and a well-taken goal from Alexis Vega. The Chivas man there. Sweden would get the winner in the 84th minute. A set piece, shocker. Oh, no. You gotta watch Sandberg. those dead balls. Set pieces again. The Achilles heel for this team. After that, let's hear from Tata Martino. Con la sensación de que vamos a competir muy bien. Que nos hemos preparado para competir muy bien. Que los jugadores están concientizados para competir muy bien. Con el hecho de que más allá de una derrota vos entras al vestuario y veas a los jugadores hablando de determinadas situaciones de fútbol para corregir a todos muy involucrados en, en esto. Y lo que siempre dije desde el principio y lo sigo sosteniendo ahora, de las puertas para adentro hay un escenario que evidentemente no existe de las puertas para afuera. Y eso es lo que a nosotros nos brinda este, ilusión y nos da particularly the certainty of what I said before, that we're going to compete very well. 
All right, Herc, we have asked this question of Tata Martino many times throughout the qualification process, but is it yet another moment to tell Mexico's manager to get lost? I could see why you would want him to get lost, yep. but no, I'm not going to tell him to get lost. You're defending Tata Martino? Go I'm on. not defending Tata Martino, but that's exactly what I would say if I was managing Mexico right now in this As exact in, like, moment. like he doesn't really have another choice of what to say? Because well, I don't believe what, what he's What saying. you don't want to do is freak the players out. You don't want to get them all wound up in their own heads. Now, why do I say that it's not a get lost moment? Mm -hmm. Because they didn't play bad. They lost. They lost. It's they a loss. Play, let me ask you this. Did they play well at any time during qualifying? Uh, sure. Really? Yeah. Overall in qualifying, would you say that what they did was, was good? Like in how they I played. mean, they, they were the best road team. They were the best road team in Concacaf. They were the best road team in Concacaf. What they did against what Sweden they didn't was do the well exact was same play thing at they home. did all of qualifying. Well, let me let me sell you on this. This is why I think it wasn't as bad. If you, Sweden's a much better team than Poland, would you agree? Did they qualify for the World Cup? Did Sweden, Poland? Sweden's a much better team than Poland. Would you agree? Just team. I don't know that I'd say much better. Okay, marginally better, but much better. No. Mar okay, margin. Fair enough. Marginally better. If you tell Tata Martino's Mexican national team, sign off that you will have. 70-plus percent possession, mm -hmm. seven shots on target, on target, two of them will hit the post in this game. Will you take that? Yes, absolutely. Sign. Where do I sign? They will take that. You're now, saying that now as here, though it's something that is not likely to happen. That's a, how Mexico plays every single game. But they didn't. To the point they about, didn't because in World Cup qualifying, the they didn't create Poland, the opportunities. That's what Poland wants Hold you on. to do. They didn't create opportunities in World Cup qualifying. Yes, they did. No, they, they did. Opportunities. No, they did. They created opportunities. They did not create opportunities like that. And they were like just that. as vulnerable in World Cup qualifying as they were last night. That's Set another issue. This is a disaster. 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 But how they played against Sweden? So they haven't fixed How they played against Sweden? Who was the better team? Against Sweden? Yeah, who's the better team? I mean, did you see the first half? Who chance? was better than Who's the better team? I mean, if we go by the better who team, was the better team, team that has the ball more. Pick a team. No, Mexico was Pick not a the team. better team. Not, they were Pick the a most team. dangerous so team. So Sweden was the best team. Yeah, Sweden was Sweden the best better team. team. They were far more clinical. Absolutely. Absolutely. You say 70% possession like this is the 1980s, and that matters, dude. Teams, teams hand out possession. Like it's Se they had on seven shots on goal, two hit the. Two at the post. How many two shots on goal did Sweden have? Two. And how many two. went in? Two. Okay. Two. But if you can and, limit and to your opponent, the first half should have been a goal. If you could only Three limit to your easy, opponent to two lose. shots. Now, what I'm trying to tell you, this is why it's not a get lost. Because if you're Tata Martino, this is what you want. You don't want the team going crazy thinking, here you go again. You keep losing. Look at all the outside pressure. Look at all these people think you're losers. You don't want that if you're the coach. You want to keep them even keeled. What you did in that game, you did good things. You ended up losing, circumstantial, but we can clean those things up. Now, whether they do it or not, it's a different question. But you can't, if you're Tata Martino, jump on them as well. Okay, but isn't he a little bit talking out of both sides of his mouth? If he's saying this now, but then a week ago, we were so focused on all the negativity around this team. And it wasn't just Tata talking about it, right? We heard it from Hector Herrera. I think we heard it from Luis Chavez as well. It's clearly... it's, but Seb, they're, it's they're, like it, they're me, taking it's like, an us-versus-the-world-mentality, which is the only mentality no, they can take at this No, they're saying that that's what they're taking. I, no, I, that's what they're taking. Really? Because, yes. Because this, to it, me, is the he, emperor's he, new clothes. This is a guy telling us that what we're seeing... Uh, uh, for you, for you younger <laughs> people, it's the meme where the guy is, is sitting in a place where everything on fire and is saying it's fine, right? Everybody can see there's a problem, and Tata Martino is trying to cover it up. Just, if you're on, in a just fire, like he tried to cover let me, up Raul Jimenez. Let me ask you something really quick. Let me ask you something really mm -hmm. quick, okay? If you're in that fire, in that meme, and there's kids around you, <laughs> are you going to freak out? I'm going to yell fire so everybody gets Hold out on. of the Are you theater. going to freak out? <laughs> No, because then you freak out the kids. I guess this so. is what's going on right now. Yeah. I know, I understand what you're saying, I think he's, and I get yeah, it. Yeah. But as far as get lost, I can't tell him to get lost because it's exactly the playbook for the coach. I think everything that he says is a reaction to 
the negativity and the, not even the negativity hurt, the reality that's happening around him. He's just lying to us. Same with Raul Jimenez. This is the guy who comes out and says, well, I don't measure my, I don't measure my strikers by how many they score. I, if your strikers were scoring, I, you'd measure that. I don't, I honestly, you'd measure that. Hold on. I don't think he's just and talking about. And that's especially about, after last night. I don't think he's just talking about Raul Jimenez there. I think he's talking about all nines because yeah. they're not but scoring. But after, after he waits three months for Raul Jimenez to that's show up. That's a different discussion. And he plays 45 that minutes. That is a different discussion. Terrible, and I'm with you there. Okay. But you can't freak out the kids. And that's what he's doing. He's okay. trying to keep them even keeled before the World Cup. You can't lose. You can't lose them mentally before you even get into the game. All right, we beat around the bush. Let's dive in on Raul Jimenez. It's the first of our three questions here on Football Americas. It's a direct one, Herc. A direct one. Is Raul Jimenez, after what we saw against Sweden, ready to start against Poland next Tuesday? Raul Jimenez is not ready to play in this tournament. He shouldn't be on the Thank roster. You. Thank you. He could barely move. Is it too late to get a, a plane for Santi? I mean, I don't know where Tata Martino gets off that Raul Jimenez could be 45 minutes fit. See, yeah. You know what I mean? Let alone be a productive player for himself. Yeah. Forget about scoring goals, Seb. Forget about scoring yeah. goals. What Raul Jimenez is good at, what he's very good at. What Tata measures him by, supposedly. What he measures him by, facilitating others. Did that happen in the second the half? No, he didn't touch yeah, exactly. the ball. And exactly. then, you know what? Aerial duels, because he will need to be important mm -hmm. that facet against Poland. That's the one thing you say. He was maybe 0 over, for 5. Right. That's the one thing you say, well, okay, over the other forwards, that's where he has the edge. It's clearly not the case. He's, actually, not, the he's not the no. same player, Seb, since that incident with David Luis. He's not. And, and it's, it's not something that we bring to his attention or Tata Tata Martino's attention or any Mexican fan's attention. Everybody who watches them, that team play, mm -hmm. watches Raul play, who's seen him at Wolverhampton, can attest that's not the same player. Yeah. Um, can I read you some of the sad stats from last sure. night? So uh, it's his first game in 77 days, right? That's the context. He was the only player without a single ball recovery. Even Memo Choa had one. Even Memo Choa. 17 touches in 45 minutes, zero shots. So if you're Tata Martino, what are you looking for? I'm looking for Tata Martino. You just want to see that he can run? I was wrong. I've you been just want to see that he can run if you're Tata Martino? Because it, it's crazy, it's outlandish to think that Tata Martino thinks he can get a game fit sharp. Sharp. With this under his belt, and he's good to go. I mean, but even if he'd have played well for 45 minutes. Games on Tuesday. Minutes, even if he would have played awesome last night for 45 minutes against Sweden, would you be, would you be like, this is the guy to start? Based on everything else No, but else you feel better seen? about it. And, and the fact that he showed you nothing makes you feel worse about it. I actually think the fact that he showed me nothing is the best thing that could have happened. Why? Because he's now Tata Martino he, has to say, no, Raul is not the guy. He's going to be landing in Qatar at any moment. Why do you want him at his worst? You would rather see him do well than be like, that's a wasted No, but spot. I don't want him to get the opportunity that he's not ready for. That, but he's going to get saying? it if he's on that flight. No, I, I, no? Think, I think Raul Jimenez played the Are we betting? Yeah. We what do you say? That if he's on the flight, he starts against Poland? Uh, uh, no, he's no, going to get an opportunity. Uh, uh, okay, he's going to get on the game. He starts against Poland. No, that he gets on the game. No, my point is I don't want to like see him on did. the field. Well, he's going to get in the field. I, no. Let's bet. If he, Let's if bet. he plays. No, Let's because bet. I think Tata Martino's foolish enough to do it. Of course. I saw last night a player who was not ready for any minutes in the World but Cup. Seth, Forget about this is starting. what I'm telling you. He's going to play. Mm. He's going to play. You would have much rather seen him fit and just rusty than not fit and rusty. It was a little bit of both, uh, for sure, for me last night. As uh, Raul Jimenez left a lot to be desired in his first match since August 31st. That's the last time that he played, of course, in the Premier League for Wolves. Question number two here on Three Questions. We move from the top line to midfield, which last night started with HH, Charlie Rodriguez, and Luis Chavez. Uh, Luis Romo and Andres Guardado came on uh, as subs in the second half. Herc, what did we learn about Mexico's midfield against Sweden? Okay, I get the experiment, and by experiment I mean HH starting in place of Edson Alvarez. Mm. 
You think that's like a legit experience, not just Edson's getting in late. I actually thought that really wants to try. That's what he, that's what Tata wants what a, to do. He wants to play Acha Acha Hector Herrera against Poland. Why? Because much like Sweden, he thinks he'll have the lion's share of the ball. Mm -hmm. Here is my worry. When you don't have the ball, when you got a chase in transition, who's the only one putting out fires on that Mexican national team roster? In ah, Edson. Edson Alvarez yeah. versus Canada versus the U.S., the only one that was trying to, versus Honduras, the only one that was trying to, versus Panama and the Azteca, Costa Rica and the Azteca, the only one that was there trying to put out those fires, Edson Alvarez. Achi may have control of the ball, maybe better on the ball. Yes, I'll concede that. He is. But it, there's different facets yeah. to the game. Is he significantly there's better? There's different facets to the game. The facet where you attack, mm -hmm. and then there's one where you lose the ball. What happens when you lose the ball? How you recover it? There, he's not going to be good for you. That's Edson. That's his bread and butter. Mm -hmm. He's the only Class A player that you have on this roster. The only player that you could think can get into a huge team right now and be a good player. So why is there even, because for me it's shocking, why is there even a consideration, a discussion that he would not play, start, and play 90 minutes of every because game? Because that is trying to get Q. He thinks that they're going to have the ball so much that let's ah. get better players on the ball. Let's do it. No, that's uh, over. I'm sorry. You've been in a lot of locker rooms. I've a lot been of coaches. in a lot of That's not rooms. overthinking it. Of that's not a coach. Is. Totally. Of course it is. Okay. I just told you, there are different facets to this game. He, he, in the same breath, Seb, he sat there and criticized Hector Herrera for going to Major League right. Soccer mm -hmm. and having a bad season. Now he's going to start the very first game, the most important game of the World Cup. He's going to start for Tata Martino. If that doesn't tell you, that doesn't speak to the hypocrisy that is Tata Martino in this Mexican national team. Uh, can we go over some other kind of individual performances and, sure. and maybe do a, an impromptu stock up, stomp, stock down? Because for me, Charlie Rodriguez clearly played himself out of World Cup minutes, and Luis Chavez clearly played himself into World Cup minutes. I don't know what that role is going to be for Chavez, um, but but I, I think clearly Charlie is not the guy that we thought he was, and he has been well, at the domestic level. Welcome to the club, level. Sebastian yeah. Salazar. Yeah. You're about a year and a half too no, late. No, no, he's not. I mean, You're he's a year not and a half that guy. Too late. Um, let me start with Luis Chavez. Mm -hmm. Luis Chavez him. is going to be a big player, and I said that. I said this. Three months ago, four months ago, when you said who could have a breakout uh, tournament, I said Luis Chavez, and you're like, really? Really? You think he's going to make the team? Here we are now. Okay? Luis Chavez is not only going to make the team, mm -hmm. but he could be the guy that benefits most from this tournament from the whole Mexican national team. He is so good on both sides of the ball. He takes care of the ball. He's got a privileged left foot. Bang strikes from, from distance. distance. Bangers. Good vision. Gets others involved. And you know what the most important thing I noticed? Mm -hmm. Besides that he's very good defensively in transition, is the, is the relationship that he is developing with Alexis Vega. Mm who's going to be an important player at this tournament. But he looks for him, he finds him, he finds that open space. He's got that nose for goal. And when I mean nose for goal, I don't mean him trying to get at goal, I mean him finding teammates to get at goal as well. Uh, one thing I think that we can probably agree on from last night, at least for me, is Eric Gutierrez was a notable absence. I think he's a guy that I've said this for a long time, maybe as long as you've been on the Luis Chavez bandwagon. For me, Guti is a guy who absolutely has to start in this team, given his that, performance, that him. his skill set. And I, you could see that. I mean, but at some point, like, you're right. That does really a my if, guy's guy, if, right? If and I, Guardado is, is a great if example. If I were to tell you that Guti only played two World Cup qualifying matches, would yep. you believe me? Yes, I would. That's insane, I right? would. I was waiting for him to get into the lineup the with whole how time. Good he's been this year, was, with how good he's trash. been this year for PSV? Yeah. That's what he's played. Yeah. Andres Guardado, who's already closer to 40, mm -hmm. played three times the games that he has. Um, you mentioned Guardado. We mentioned the age. Uh, let's give Achiacha a shot for that assist. It was a thing of beauty. But with him and, and Andres Guardado in this midfield Pool. Unplayable together. Okay, that's it. You just yeah. can't. You, you can't play. You, you can't take that liability. Okay, so then you saw it in the goal that Sweden scored the mm -hmm. first one. Yeah, they lose the ball and then transition yeah. right back down their throat. That's what's going to happen when you lose the ball. So, so what's Guardado's role then? 
Ala Rafa Marquez. Uh, he is the leader on this team. He, he's going to be somebody who's going to be vital in that locker room. Mm. Uh, the Rafa Marquez role that Juan Carlos Osorio used, yeah. having him as a good locker room presence and using him in, in that pivotal game towards the quinto partido where you can get the most out of him if you can use him. Remember, it was against Brazil that first half. Yeah. And if it wasn't because he was carded, he would have played. That's what Juan Carlos Osorio told us. He's going to be in that role for Tata Martino. What kind, is that a start? Is there a start in there? Or I is think it there off is the a bench? start in there. I think it's probably really? I, yeah. I think it's probably uh, Saudi Arabia. Wow. Okay. Uh, we'll see. Andres Guardado, then uh, one of the many Mexican midfielders fighting for playing time. Uh, let's go back to the front line because Alexis Vega is the man who scored the goal last night for Mexico against Sweden in the uh, two-one defeat. Do you think that performance and really the goal, Herc, locked down a starting spot for Alexis Vega in this tournament? Not just this goal. The last game when he scored yep. a goal as well, he seems to be one of the only players right now just bringing with confidence. Scored Why the rest the of the Mexican Rocks, national in the team? September window too, yeah. if I recall. Yeah. yeah, when the rest of the Mexican national team feels to have this weight on their shoulders, mm -hmm. he's playing free. He's playing a flowing type of football. He's having fun. He's explosive. He's got a goal-scoring ability about him right now that he's not shown in quite some time. He's wearing that 10. He feels like he's a breakout yeah. player. Mexican national team. He's feeling himself and he's going to be probably the most important offensive player for this team. I laughed at you during our production meeting when you said you know, he's the most goal dangerous you know, player for Mexico. And I, some of that is you my laughed at me? All the time. Some of that is my maybe like anti-Chivas ways. Um, and just generally, I, I feel like he's never been that productive. I think I look back oh, over a year the most goals he scored in Mexico is six. Not over a season. Five. Over a year. Five. Over a year. Yeah. Two seasons combined. Yeah. So to me, that's like, if that's your best goal scoring, that's more so telling So last us. year, he didn't score more than four goals. Last season, excuse me. But right. you know what he was top in the league for? What? Expected goals. And I hate that stat. I hate it. I hate it. But it goes to show you on a team <laughs> So he's another struggling. Mexican that's not a good finisher? Great. That's no, what no, 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 no. That means his teammates aren't good finishers. That means Chivas wasn't finishing because you expected goals, assist as well. Yeah. But this is a player that just is so dangerous. He feels football. He, he's got the soccer IQ. Uh, it's in his veins. Yeah. He's in that final third. He has instincts. It makes him play very well. It makes him feel things, sense things. Yeah. He's as dangerous as you're going to get. The point I guess I was going to make is that if this is a Mexico in full throttle, he's probably not in the discussion to start, right? If you've got a Tecatito flying at 100%, if you've even got oh, a I think, he, I think he starts over Tecatito. Really? See, to me, to me the there fact that he's tecatitos. a starter is, is basically a default. There are no other starters in that there position. There are two Tecatitos. Tecatito that was, uh, well, actually three. <laughs> Porto, okay. Tecatito, yeah. MIA. Yeah. The new version, Tecatito Sevilla, that yep. started turning things around, and the same version of World Cup qualifying Tecatito that we saw the right. whole cycle that was terrible for, the, for Mexico. That was one of the most criticized players, if not the most criticized player for the Mexican national team. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think he plays over him. So the other options are what? Antuna, Alvarado, Orbelin. I mean... None yes. of those guys are starters. Maybe Antuna, you, you've, you've long said. I think Antuna's going to start There's like a, a game. matchup where you might yeah. see him as I a starter, I actually think right? he starts probably Argentina. Really? Yeah. Straight up, you just want to run in Argentina. You yeah, want, want that speed. He's a very vertical player, wears, players down, wears teams down. I think he, he can get that start. Uh, real there. quick, one more thought on Alexis Vega. 24 years old, wearing the number 10. Done as a start. I don't know if you've seen recently, there's been quite a few links. Oh, we've talked a lot about him uh, maybe potentially moving over to Europe uh, and maybe elsewhere in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, as well. All right, let's get caught up on uh, who Mexico will be playing on Tuesday, and that is Poland, who were playing Chile last night. Her, this one ended 1-0 uh, for Poland. They yeah. did the minimum to get the victory over In Chile. Poland versus Chile, they were probably outmatched talent-wise versus Chile. Uh, six, six players weren't playing, six of the regular starters, uh, but good for them to get a win at home to bring them to Qatar and some sort of uh, confidence booster, if you will. 
But it, if you go by what was the game, I mean, Chile outpossessed them. They had more chances. They just didn't win. That was Poland. Poland. Does that scare you a little bit if you're Mexico? Chile having 70% of the ball. Yeah, a little, a little bit like Mexico, Sweden, yeah. if you will. But exactly. you, you mentioned it, said that's what they're looking for. So uh, Poland then, unlike Mexico, finishing up their World Cup preparations with a victory, one nothing against Chile, the final score. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be a special time for, for this country, for, for us group of guys. I mean, honestly, it hasn't really set in yet. We're all pumped. We're all ready. I mean, the adrenaline is, is rushing through my blood right now just to just to be out there. Definitely a special feeling, you know, because it's a World Cup. Um, you get that little bit more excitement to be here. That, that obviously, I, we all dream of as a kid to, to be here. And it's been a dream of mine for my whole professional career and also my youth career. And I think um, for every player who's here, it's, it's it's a source of pride for all of us to represent our country in the world's biggest tournament. It's a journey, it's an experience that they'll remember for the rest of their lives and you know, hopefully when they're you know, in their 80s and telling their grandkids about you know, the World Cup, they'll be able to remember it vividly. All right, time now to turn our attention to the U.S. men's national team. And Herc, time to welcome into the show Sam Borden. You know him from the road to Qatar. Been doing some great interviews for us in the buildup to this World Cup. Sam, thanks for staying up late. I know it's well past your bedtime uh, out there in Doha. So uh, let's start with what the team did today because we've seen a lot of other teams involved in this World Cup having international friendlies in the buildup. We haven't seen that from the United States, but it looked like they got some maybe live sparring today. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's actually it's interesting that you bring that up because I've been surprised that they didn't want to have a, a, a proper friendly. This is a team that's young, that's inexperienced, that hasn't had a lot of time together because of injuries during the qualifying cycle. They've very rarely had each of the starters they'd want at their position. So I assumed that they would want to play a proper game. But I think that Greg Berhalter and the U.S. soccer staff decided, no, 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 we want to sort of take take advantage of the opportunity that we have where everybody is healthy keep the training as controlled as possible tonight they were on the field with al garafa which is the uh, qatari team that plays at the stadium where they've been training they didn't call it a scrimmage they didn't call it a friendly they called it a joint training exercise i don't know if that's like one of those nfl you know joint practices they do in the preseason sometimes but my understanding from folks who were there was that it was pretty low intensity and the idea obviously was to keep everybody who is healthy exactly that way. 
All right, Sam, you've been following this team since you got here to Qatar, and obviously uh, for much longer than that uh, in the build-up to this World Cup. You've been going to the press conferences. You've been going to the training sessions. If you can, give us kind of a, a general vibe, the mood around the team, and then maybe uh, what you heard today in the pressers. Yeah, I mean, I think not surprisingly, the, the general vibe is one of anticipation. You know, 25 of the 26 guys on the team have never played in a World Cup. DeAndre Yedlin, the only one who has. And so to, to them, this is this is all new. This is the dream they've had for their entire careers. And to have a chance to finally be here, I mean, they're reveling in it. I think one of the things that's really interesting is that unlike most World Cups, and Herc, you know this, like, here they're unpacking they're you know they were told take your clothes out put them in the drawers put up put the books you brought on the shelf they're going to stay there for the entire tournament there's not going to be a getting on a plane and going to rustenburg or johannesburg or manaus they're going to play all their games right here and they're going to sleep in the same bed every night and so that's very different than what the typical world cup experience is like and i think honestly for a group like this one it's probably a good thing they're going to be able to get comfortable in their surroundings they're going to feel at home, and I think that will probably lead to better performances all around. Sam, who did you uh, hear from today uh, at the presser? Yeah, it was interesting. We heard from uh, Tim Ream, who I think is one of the, you know, obviously the most fascinating stories on the team and that he hasn't been a part of the qualifying process. I mean, the last time he played for the U.S. national team was, I think, 14 months ago, last September. And so he said that he had made peace with the idea that it wasn't going to happen for him. And it was only really within the last three or four weeks that it even became a possibility that he might be on the team. I really enjoyed hearing I really enjoyed hearing that, uh, you know, the team, all everybody else on the team looks at him as sort of the grandpa. That's literally what they call him. He's 35 years, 35 years old, and he's by far the senior member of the team. Yeah. All right, I think we've got some uh, press conference sound here. Let's, uh, let's listen in to what the boys said uh, in the press earlier today. Yeah, there's a there's a queue of questions that people have for DeAndre, considering he's the the only one with obviously the World Cup experience. Um, but DeAndre, uh, from a perspective and the role that he plays within this team, he's such an important person to to have around. It's a journey. It's an experience that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. And you know, hopefully, when they're you know in their 80s and telling their grandkids about you know the World Cup, they'll be able to remember it vividly. Um, so I think it's important that. Um, you know, every one of these guys just tries to stay present and just be aware, really, of everything that's going on because it is an incredibly special uh, time. Right. Really interesting. Well, Tim stuff Ream may from... be the grandpa, the group mm -hmm. 35 years age. Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say really interesting stuff from DeAndre there. Obviously, when he played in the World Cup in 2014, he was about 21 years old, very similar to the ages of the guys, many of the guys on the team right now. And so he's got a real interesting perspective. He said to them that, you know, it's going to feel big. It's going to feel like this thing you've dreamed about, and you should you should revel in that. You should accept it, but also recognize that this is something that 
you've done before. You've played football, you've played soccer, you've played in big games. A lot of these guys have played in the Champions League. Don't be overwhelmed by the situation. And I think, honestly, that to me, that's the biggest obstacle this U.S. team has to get past. They have the talent. They certainly have the ability to play with any of the teams that they're going to face. The question is, can they handle the moment? Can they handle the pressure of playing on their sport's biggest stage? All right, let, let's talk about those leaders. Uh, you've already said Tim Ream, 35 years of age. Yonder Yedlin, the only player on this roster who's actually been to a World yep. Cup. Uh, do we have an indication of who Greg Berhalter's captain will be? Because he's sort of been rotating that armband when, in my eyes, it's always been Tyler Adams. What do you think, Sam? No, I completely agree, Herc. To me, it's a no-brainer that it should be Tyler Adams, and it does it does seem as though Burhalter has rotated around. My sense was that in a lot of instances, particularly like when he gave it to Christian Pulisic for a game or two, it was almost to boost Pulisic's confidence, right? It always seemed to come after he'd had a tough spell at Chelsea or where you know he needed a sort of a, a boost. Now we're at the World Cup. You've got to go with the guy who deserves it. In my mind, that is Tyler Adams. I, I think in an ideal situation, Adams wouldn't come off the field in any of the three games. He'd play 90 minutes every day. I'm not sure you could say that about any of the other candidates from the leadership council. For me, Tyler Adams should be the captain, and I would expect that's the decision that Burhalter will make. Okay, well, let's talk about some guys that maybe aren't 90-minute fit yet. Yep. Maybe some injuries. Uh, who are we watching right now? Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, Matt Turner. Where are they at in terms of their injuries? Yeah, my understanding is that Turner is is fine. I think, you know, he, he has said that he feels good. Everything I've heard is that he's going to start, he's going to play uh, against Wales. That, you know, obviously he was frustrated to miss the Europa League games with Arsenal, but then in the end it was a good thing. It allowed him to be ready and, and, and set to go here for the duration. In terms of McKenney, I think they are monitoring that. I, it, it seems as though he's going to be a starter. I don't know that he is a 90-minute player at this moment, but I, I think you would expect that McKenney will be out there. Dest, to me, is the biggest question. He did individual work uh, yesterday. It, it wasn't clear. Tonight's training session was closed, so it wasn't clear whether he participated or not, but I don't think there's any question, guys, that he, he hasn't been a 90-minute player in a while. It'd be stunning to me if he was for the U.S. in Game 1, and obviously we saw during qualifying he very rarely played multiple games in the same window. I think at most it was two. He never played in all three when they had those three-game windows. I would not expect him to be a 90-minute player right off the bat. Uh, Sam, before we let you go, I, I got to give a shout to you and your producer, Jim Watalka. We have been using those Road to Qatar interviews. I mean, in every episode of this show for what feels like the last, I don't know, two, three, maybe even uh, four months, even, even more than that. Um, I wonder if there's maybe a favorite moment from all of those sit-downs or a few favorite moments. And beyond that, if there's anything big picture about this team that you feel like you learned over those conversations. Yeah, no, that's, first of all, thank you to you guys for allowing us to, to share those stories because it really was a tremendous opportunity to get to know this team. I mean, there's been a generational change in the U.S. men's national team. It's literally happening in front of us. And to get to know the, the players on the team in that way was a real gift. And to me, you know, when you ask for a favorite moment, one of the things that I really enjoyed was talking to Tyler Adams and talking to him about 
his dreams. Uh, at the time, he was still playing uh, in Germany. He, he, he wanted to play in the Premier League, and he talked to us about how that was a goal. So to see him now succeeding, enjoying, thriving with Leeds United, I think back on what he said to us in the chair and realize that it, it all came true for him. And that's, that's pretty wonderful for him. And I think it will bode well for the national team because he really is one of the team's most indispensable players. I hope that, you know, all the um, viewers of Football Americas have enjoyed sort of getting to know these guys the way we have. And hopefully that will make the fans feel closer to this young team as they begin their journey in this World Cup. You know what my big takeaway was there? What? If you sit down with Sam Borden, all of your dreams will come true. He's like Tyler. a proud dad, this Tyler. guy. Look at this Sam. Is, yeah, the point case right there. <laughs> Sam, man, really appreciate your patience. Thanks for staying up with us tonight. And we will be checking in with Get you some throughout shot the World guy. Cup uh, here on Football Americas. If you want to see more of Sam, you can catch him on SportsCenter, uh, all over the website. He's everywhere. Sam, uh, appreciate you. And again, shouts to you and your producer, Jim Watalka. Great job uh, over the last year with those interviews. All right, so some uh, interesting news there for, from Sam. He says the biggest question mark, Kirk, is Serginho Dest. Uh, let's pretend the Dest won't be available uh, come Monday. What's Do I have plan to? B? <laughs> I mean, is that, let me, let's start there. Is it that far off of a, like a drop-off from Dest to the next guy? Because I feel uh, like Dest, while he has some attacking, great qualities, yes. okay, has some issues in defense. Very much yeah. so has some issues in defense. He played 30 minutes in the last game for Milan. I fully expect him at least start. Can he go 90? That remains to be seen, okay. but plan B, in my eyes, it's Joe Scally, and it has to be Joe Scally. Joe Scally is a player that's very good way, too good, I'm sorry, very uh, good two-way player. Mm -hmm. uh, attacks very well from the left or the right, uh, defends well in transition, good motor on him. I think he's got a good footballing IQ as well. Can he be integrated into that attack in the final third and help the U.S. men's national team? <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know about Yedlin. I don't trust Shaq Moore. I think Joe Scally would be my plan B if you had to go. And that's on both sides. Really? That is on both sides. Really left and him. right. Do you feel like that's the same case internally? Because every time we've talked about Joe Scally on this show, I feel like we're the ones asking, why isn't he getting called up? Why isn't he yeah. playing more? You know, you you said earlier that Tata Martino has his favorites. Uh, Greg Berhalter. Guys, yeah. Greg Berhalter has his favorites. And he also has those guys that, for whatever reason, well, he's not but trusted. Let me, let me stop you right there. The outside backs, Destin Robinson, whether you say those are going to Berhalter favorites or not, those guys are lockdown starters, right? Scally's yes. not going over either. Yes, those. but Shaq Moore made the list over Scally against Panama. Okay. So, you think Shaq Moore's ahead of Scally in the pecking order here? He was against Panama <laughs> yeah, yeah. because he knew the setup, yep. because he knew the U.S. men's national team. So why wouldn't he be in the World Cup? If mm. it was in that moment to help them go to the World Cup, you would assume it would be the same thing here if it's not Yedlin. You've talked a lot about kind of your issues with injured players. I have. Dest, Dest is not maybe injured. Obviously, he's here. He's, he's training. Uh, he's not at full strength. He started one game in the last five weeks. My usual thought is, and I, I think most coaches are like this, you build a game plan not expecting to have to substitute one of your defenders, right? That's right. not really but now, where you, you But want. now you have five, Okay, right? so, so a little more room, but six. how, much, five. how much of a concern is that that Dest hasn't started in goal the full 90 because of the position he plays and the likelihood you're going to need 90 out of that spot? Uh, not much because of the way he plays, right? And, and you mentioned that he didn't start three games in a window, so mm -hmm. he probably won't start three games in the group phase. So if you're going to use him for two... And they got three right, would, three other right-backs on the roster, yeah. Three other right-backs on the roster, you would assume that would be a, a non-issue.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's uh, turn our attention to uh, some other matters in CONCACAF. Not just USA and Mexico getting ready for this World Cup. Costa Rica as well, although uh, unfortunately for Costa Rica, their match was canceled against Iraq on Thursday due to an issue with passports at the border between Kuwait and Iraq. Now, the Costa Rican Federation had requested the Iraqi government not stamp player passports, but local border authorities did not honor the agreement, and so Costa Rica returned to their training camp in Iraq. So a missed opportunity for Keylor Navas and the rest of Los Ticos to get in another bit of work before the World Cup. Not the case for Canada. They play Japan. No Alfonso Davies. He got a rest in this one. Nine minutes in, Japan scores first. It's Soma to open. Yeah, good ball over the top. It's a innovative finish, a really good nifty finish right here. It just off Is innovative another word for lucky? No, okay. resort. This is resourceful. Okay. Okay. It's not lucky. It's resourceful. Okay. So Japan goes up one nothing. We know how good this Japan Japanese team was. Uh, we saw them against the United States. Twenty one minutes in, Steven Vittoria gets the equalizer for Canada. Yeah, Canada. It's just so disciplined on set pieces. They're so dangerous. Can hurt you in so many different ways. They've got some guys that are really, really good in set pieces. Here's one of them, Lucas Cavallini, on the uh, penalty in stoppage time. Herc, do you have that? Two one. Cavallini, World Cup, scoring a goal. 90th minute, yeah. World Cup and match days before the World Cup. Very yeah. different. But uh, props to Lucas Cavallini, who has uh, made quite a career for himself. All right, so I don't know if you follow this guy on Twitter. Many of you do. Some of you follow me on Twitter. A lot less of you. Uh, we put out a tweet earlier today because we are stealing a page from the playbook of ESPN FC. Who? You know their segment. Who? What? Who are those guys? Uh, Extra Time, where they take questions from social media, oh. from Twitter, anywhere you want. Uh, and we picked some good ones here, so let's get to them. The first one is about Ricardo Pepe. Okay? If Pepe stays at FC Dallas, does he make the World Cup ahead of Jesus Pereira? Is not the question. We're going to go with the Berhalter question first. Okay. Ah! A ver, ¿dónde está? Angel asks, regardless of results, does Greg stay on or go at the end of this World Cup? Now, regardless of a result, no, there is no regardless of results. Uh, if the U.S. men's national team get out of the group, Greg stays. Now, that's just right. that's not my wish. That's not your wish. That'll be what happens with U.S. soccer, mm -hmm. with the U.S. Soccer Federation. If they don't get out of the group, and how they don't get out of the group will come into play. And that could be his last dance. Okay, but what you did there is you put in a little caveat. You said if they don't get out of the group, then depending on how they play, it could be their last leg. So if they don't get out of the group and play well, which is totally subjective, it is. you think he could keep his job? Yes, hmm. I do. Hmm. I do. Do you with, think he with, should? With Ernie Stewart, Brian out. McBride, I wouldn't, but I think they do. Right, right. Can I be honest? Yeah. I agree with you. I've had some uh, off-the-record conversations with some pretty high-ranking people at the Federation. I think there's a path back for Burhalter, even if he doesn't get out of the group. Yeah. I, My takeaway from those conversations. Los modos importan. There are ways and they, they matter. Don't standards matter as well? Like, don't you just have to say, hey, like at the end of the day, results are results are results. And you, if you don't get out of the group, like, 
Isn't that isn't that like I think the objective? Isn't I think the objective like of this group standard? has always been 2026. It's never been 2022. It's hmm. been getting to 2022. Well, then it should be regardless of results, right? Well, it matters how you go out. It matters how you bow out. Okay, I jumped the gun there on the uh, Pepe question, but we'll get to it now. Este unbelievable guy. From Jogo Daka. Uh, oh, no. No, that's not him. Oh, yeah, it is. Just read the question. It's Jose Garcia. I want to give him credit. Uh, if Pepe stays at FCD, does he make the World Cup squad ahead of Jesus? Seems that Pereira got playing that Pepe transfer provided him. And will future young stars now be reluctant to make a move to Europe ahead of a World Cup? Lots to unpack there, but good question. I don't think future young stars will be reluctant to make the move. Nor should they. But man, does this make you think. And, and they should be more picky about the move. <clears throat> Hold on. Dan Hunt, mm -hmm. the owner, owner of, FC Dallas, yeah. of FC Dallas, did this interview. And, and this article came out months before he went about not going. And it could cost him. And mm. people were saying, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Jurgen Klinsmann was on our very show. Well, Dan Hunt has a motive to say that. Of course he does. But Jurgen Klinsmann yeah. doesn't. Mm -hmm. And he was on this very yeah. show. And you said where you go matters. He said the same thing. Not only where you go, but when you go. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it could blow back in your face. And man, did it blow back in his face. I don't agree with it. Yeah. I think he did enough to be there, both in World Cup qualifying and in the Eredivisie. But he's not there. So if he doesn't go, you have to assume that Jesus Ferreira doesn't blossom the way he blossoms because he's not the nine. It's See, Ricardo that's Pepe. interesting. That's interesting is that if Pepe stays, maybe it blocks the path for Ferreira. Although, Pepe, before he leaves for Dallas, Ferreira's already getting called into the national team, and we were already starting to hear some things uh... that, that Greg Berhalter liked the idea of a Jesus Ferreira false nine. Yes. Pre-Augsburg. So yeah. I think that idea was already percolating. Now he has a great season at FC Dallas. And it allows the idea to really grow in Greg Berhalter's head. If he's at FC Osborne and he's banging in goals, right. it doesn't matter who's behind him. Or if them. he goes somewhere else and is banging in goals. It's, it really, it's not the move. It's the timing of the move and the place that he went and, and then how it yeah. went there. So uh, unfortunate for Ricardo Pepe. A lot of people thought that he would be here in Qatar. Speaking of Qatar, our last question here has to do with the country that is hosting this World Cup. Jogotaka now asks, what are your initial impressions about Qatar? You've only been there a day or so, but what has stood out or surprised you thus far? What has surprised me thus far? That you have enough money, you can do anything. <laughs> that really is... Things are very expensive here. Not so only are they very expensive, they're lavish. If you're, if you're a fan, you made the trip yet, but bring some extra you can cash. tell everything's brand new. Yeah. Like, literally, like, maybe finished this week. Yeah. You know? My apartment, where I'm staying, is beautiful, but new. And there are steps on the way up here that are still being finished as we speak. There are very impressive parts of this city that I have seen. But my overall impressions is, man, can you do a lot with money? Yes, you can do a lot with money. So one thing that I would say is I was really prepared for the worst in terms of climate. Yeah. I thought it was going to be horrifically hot it's all day long. Let's give people an idea, right? Like you see that the sky is dark behind us. It gets dark here at what, about five, like 4.45, 5 p.m. local time. Yep. The way the schedule is set up for this tournament, there's really only going to be that, that first game. I believe it's like the 5 a.m. Eastern all AC'd time game. And they're all as well. So. Right. But that first game that's really going to be like played in conditions that are hot. Yeah. Other than that, it gets dark here and, and it cools off a lot. I think that's... Definitely worth stating. The other thing that I've noticed is there's really nobody here yeah, yet. Yeah, that's the one thing. Yeah. There's no ambiance yet. It doesn't feel like the yeah. World Cup yet. I, I don't expect people to come three, four days before the tournament the kicks off. game. Right. Yeah. Only us idiots will do that. <laughs> uh, but I'm hoping it picks up in the ambiance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my big memories of, of Russia are the Peruvian fans, the Mexican fans. Brazilians. Like everybody. And, you know, that's not here yet. 
But when it gets here, Herc, I tell you what, this place is, is, is going to absolutely Watch be buzzing. Out. So uh, that's it for tonight's show here from Doha, Qatar. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Uh, thanks for watching. And by the way, we should probably tell you uh, about our schedule the rest of the way, right? Our first show um, of the run of the World Cup is actually going to be Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, and we will be doing a show Ooh. every single day from Let's this go. set at that time, with maybe one exception, uh, right after the Argentina-Mexico game, but we'll fill you in on that uh, as Did you see Hugo Sanchez out there? I did see Hugo Sanchez, yeah. man. Literally, everybody Hugo, who's anybody from the ESPN world right now, uh, is here, and we'll bring them on Football Americas right. throughout the world. Cal, thanks for watching. We're best friends. We'll do this again. Great shirt, by the way. Show them what you're wearing. Jake, 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 Jake. What year?